This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com slash potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being and let's get checked. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is The Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to The Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Well, Taylor, here we are. We're in the mid middle of September, that time where we're, we're just on the verge of the true fall coming in. I'm so excited, man. I, I, summer was good, but I'm ready for that, that fall weather. Well, I think you are, you're definitely a, a fall aficionado, uh, if I do mm-hmm. say so myself. Uh, and, you know, for you, um, being, wow, I don't know why I'm doing that, Eugene Levy, uh, for you being 
um, back in LA, it's a little it's a little different because you've been so used to a lot of the New York uh, fall seasons, change so of seasons. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's it's definitely like literally September first hit, um, and I was like, and it's chilly. And uh, Fall's like, we're here. So here's a pullover. As you can see, I mean, you, uh, the audience can't see me. I'm, I'm rocking a little uh, sweater. It's getting, uh, it's in the low 70s uh, where we're at right now uh, in Pittsburgh. But um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm excited about the fall weather. And of course, already, you know, it's it's a whole new thing now um, that I don't wait till October to get in the spooky season. You know, I'm getting the, getting the fall feels. And of course, it's been really exciting stuff to... You know, I'm getting I'm getting pumped. It's gonna be a good fall season, I can tell. Yeah, it's nice to see. You know, we still celebrated things last year, but I think definitely with the the vaccine rollout and more things open, we're looking forward to a a bigger and better Halloween season. But yeah, funny you bring up New York. By the time this airs, I'll just be flying back day of from New York from a it's gonna be a, a whirlwind, uh, just under forty eight hours trip to go uh, take care of a few things. But of course. Uh, looking at the weather ahead, it's going to be very similar to what I'm dealing with right now in Southern California, which, yes, most of the time the weather is the same, uh, you know, and then we eventually get a little chillier uh, into the fall and winter. So, well, fun facts about, you know, with everything going on with movies and stuff releasing, it's kind of exciting. Two things I wanted, I was really pumped about is we're getting a lot of movies that are coming up a little bit earlier now. They're um, bringing the releases earlier, which is exciting, including uh, Venom. Uh, let there be carnage which we're excited about and i just saw this fun fact i don't know if you noticed this was because of the success of shang chi uh they are not going to be do any disney plus uh and it's going to be all in theaters it's a shorter window than normal i mean uh i mean i think 45 days is still a pretty long time to you know it gives you gives you plenty of, of time to go see a movie in theaters but I think it's exciting, exciting to see that um, although, yes, the pandemic was a time where we enjoyed having these releases at home for those who want the safety and at least to have something come out that's new. There's nothing that beats going to see a lot of these movies right there on the big screen, especially comic book movies. Uh, that's definitely one where, you know, you, you want to go see them on the big screen. They're they're meant to be experienced that way. Seeing them on the small screen, I think, can diminish uh a lot of the product is, you know, Wonder Woman 84 aside, which, uh, you know, go check out our review if you want to relive that. Yeah, that mess. enough said. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just exciting. We have a lot of big movies still to come out uh, the next few weeks into all the way to the end of the year. Uh, you know, we just got our first Matrix 4 trailer uh, was launched. And, you know, think of that um, and stay tuned because we'll be we'll be definitely touching about the Matrix coming up. But Speaking of a franchise that has definitely been a huge part of the summer blockbuster, and this has been a fun one that uh, we've had a couple different iterations of, uh, one that I think people still love, they still cherish, and definitely a, a huge starring role for um, Will Smith. Um, we're going to talk today about the Men in Black franchise. Uh I've loved this franchise, you know, since it uh, debuted with, I never got into the comic book. Again, for those listening, you've paid attention. Me and Taylor, although we do love a lot of dirty things, uh, we, we do like reading books, um, but we've never really been big comic collectors. Uh, or graphic or, you know, novel, really. Yeah, that's yeah. never been our forte. Only a few I've, I've got into. So Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, <laughs> you know, you do you, but... Yeah. I do know that that's where it uh, started, but um, my first introduction definitely was 
Uh, I remember going to see Men in Black when it came out that summer of 97. And, you know, as we kind of touched on a little bit in our uh, Myths and Mysteries episode, the idea of aliens and have they visited Earth is such a, a, a big concept that people can get very fascinated on. And, you know, we have the ideas of Roswell and, you know, other UFOs and stuff. So it's not really far-fetched to think that there could be this secret government agency that their sole purpose is to handle and deal any kind of extraterrestrial activity on Earth and then to make it kind of a big over-the-top uh, action comedy. Uh, it just, it was like a, a match made in heaven kind of situation. So Taylor, what was your earliest memories with Men in Black, at least the first film? You know what's funny? I actually did not see the first film in theaters when it came out. I would have been oh. I'd have been seven years old. So I would have Yeah, been, so you might have been you might have been just a tad young. I think so in terms of maybe some of the the humor and, and going back and we both having watched this, it's just so funny, some of the stuff that they got away with uh in this film, because there is a lot of like innuendo, there's a lot of really good jokes, but I my earliest memory of this film was on VHS. And I remember my parents and I, we made a little like evening of it. She made my famous queso, you know, that's beside the point. But I remember seeing it and just kind of blown away by this film. And it was something that still to this day, I can't even really, you know, dis describe it so easily. Because just the whole feel of the film, um, it's not like a laugh out loud comedy. It's It doesn't take itself too seriously, but there's a bit of this edge you know, creepiness, I mean, the score and everything. And I just remember seeing this movie and I was like, wow, this movie is great. And of course, I was really into Will Smith as a lot of the kids in the 90s. I mean, you think of Fresh Prince and this is really, you know, the mid to late 90s is where Will Smith was, you know, stardom in all these big blockbuster movies. He was the king of the summer blockbuster. And then I think of Tommy Lee Jones, it, up to this point, I think a lot of kids our age or, you know, even young teens, the only movie that they would have, really remembered or seen Tommy Lee Jones in would have been this series and Batman um, yeah. because, you know, Tommy Lee Jones, incredible actor. He's been in a lot of, you know, intense dramas and, you know, cop movies and not stuff that really is family friendly. Um, of course. Yes. I do agree with you. There's an edge to this. There's it's, it is an adult content, uh, you know, and, I think because it is a government agency, there is there is danger. There is this this side of it of also the bizarre, the weird, because it is aliens. But a lot of the alien creatures are uh, some are goofy and some are very dangerous and uh, terrifying. So, and so Tommy Lee Jones, I think, uh, was the perfect match to have this, um, you know, seasoned uh, vet of a, a soldier here that. Um, uh, and just that dry, slick, that Texan kind of, uh, you know, the way he talks and to match then the, the very loud, very funny Will Smith being the, the new kid in town, learning the ropes and getting sucked into this world. And to think for 97 too, like this would be a couple of years after Jurassic Park and, you know, we're getting that weird mix of like still continuing to get a little better at CGI, but not it's not 100% perfect. You know, some of the stuff you look back and it still still looks pretty good. Some of the moments are, you know, maybe not as good as it could be, you know, years later. But there's a lot of just like you constantly are looking around and especially when they're going in through the Men in Black headquarters, there's just creatures everywhere to look at. And 
there is, yeah, this is it's this weird sense of you thinking, what if people did know that aliens exist and how they, you know, they act just so like Tommy Lee Jones in the movie as K, he just acts like he's never he's never really like scared or like you know no, like he has this really it's presence. it's so matter of fact you know so just like day of I'm so i'm so this is a nine to five job for me yeah. uh, exactly just such as like but in and, and what a great juxtaposition as you said to will smith's character because there's no like moments where he's cracking jokes or anything like he doesn't break where you got a lot of these you know you know duos this i mean this would be considered uh, you know in the same vein of there's a bit of this buddy cop element. Yes, but I buddy mean, cop. He, he plays the straight man very well to the point there is the humor is just in his intensity. Like he's got a bit of that Clint Eastwood vibe there. And I just like from the very beginning, that scene where, you know, I, and it's such an interesting take, you know, seeing this film nowadays and, and over the years with immigration stuff, I think it's very interesting how he, you've got these, um, uh, this guy, John Kreese, we got uh, John Uncle, Grace, Rico. That's right. Uncle Rico here, and he's uh, smuggling <laughs> he's smuggling immigrants over the border. And then you've got, you know, these Fed guys swooping in and they're just, you know, treating all these uh, these immigrants, you know, oh, hey, how's it going? Everything like that. Of course, the real aliens are extraterrestrials <laughs> they're trying to, to find. And I just remember that first uh, 20 minutes of this film, it just it's just so like, like, what what did I just walk into? But you're absolutely right. The um the gra the CGI and also the puppetry. I mean, what was just so great. Some of these scenes, and, uh, the and worms, just... the worm guys with the coffee and the cigarettes, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, which, you know, have stayed through all the films. And, uh, and then you got, you know, you have Frank, the pug, which, you know, we had seen movies before you had homeward bound and you had movies like Beethoven, but you know, the, having this dog that the mouth would move when it's talking and everything, uh, which was voiced by Tim Blaney. And then you got other great characters like, you know, the late great Rip Torn here as Zed, who is the the chief of the Men in Black. Again, another like just very dry, uh, you know, takes it very serious. And, and then like the whole the whole scene in the movie when it's the interview process um, <laughs> is one of the best scenes of the whole movie because I love all these, you know, soldiers uh, from different, you know, there's army, there's Navy, et cetera. You know, the best of the best of the best and will smith just being the complete opposite of these guys who's you know he's street smart he's street savvy and he like you know those little moments where, like i love that scene they're all trying to fill out the little pamphlet but they don't have a desk and then this the the loud you know, will smith dragging the table to write on it it's like he he thought smartly and then they go to the shooting range and all the guys shoot all these aliens and then he shoots the the little girl mannequin tiffany He's like, I don't know. She had, a, you know, a physics book and quantum, <laughs> like, quantum yeah, physics. He's like, advanced for her. She's a little advanced bad for part her of the neighborhood. in this area. He's like, this this alien's just blowing his nose. I mean, like the humor. Well, and so it's funny. kind of funny going back and watching that as an adult, realizing that that was all really a test. Like they were just, and it was, it wasn't like it was played for laughs, but it was like they they were testing them. Like no one thought to bring this giant table to write down he was the only one and just just all those little things but uh yeah just it, it was so well well layered throughout the film of like all these like little things that will smith's character is just great because he's just kind of like the absurdity of all this stuff like i, I also love the scene where he first sees like how they use the neuralizer and he's like uh so wait you just erase someone's memory and you just give him a new one he's like and that that was the story you came up with and 
<laughs> he comes like, you're going to go shopping. And just, oh my gosh. And it was just so much fun. But we got to talk about, of course, no film, you know, that it has to deal with, you know, these, these defenders of the universe. You, you got a great villain there. And of course, play the majority. We got to talk about Vincent D'Onofrio. Just what a performance of his career. Like an incredible performance. It still sticks in my mind. It's still one I always think about. The idea of this this cockroach bug alien has taken over this guy's skin. And just, first off, he's so gross looking in the entire movie. It really looks like his skin is peeling off and then the way he talks. Um, and just, yeah, a great character role where the whole time, that's where I feel like, you know, you look at the difference of the year before Will Smith having Independence Day. Independence Day, although there was a little bit of humor in that, very deadly serious action movie where the aliens are terrifying they are here to take over and kill the aliens in this movie are meant to still be terrifying at times but it's very goofy you know we have the great tony shalhoub in here and you <laughs> know his Jeeves. character oh. as jack jeebs where his his you know his head can get shot and it grows back and so you have a bit of that goofiness but to have this bug and the way that also they describe, you know, in the movie, you know, there's uh, kind of a, this device they have that shows, um, you know, they can kind of take a sample and be like the worst, the worst things out there are bugs. And of course it goes do, 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 do. And it hits and it's like, we got a bug. Yeah. Um, oh, just a great role. And just creepy. Like in those moments where it's like, it looks like your skin's hanging off. And he's like, what do you mean like this? And, and he pulls it. the skin back and it's just like, <laughs> and then she faints. But, um, just, and, you know. just, but the physicality, the whole film, when he's well, you, like literally the makeup, like I go back and watch this and it's like you he's really he's walking around in decaying skin. So yeah. but then just his face like and how he walks around and just doing the the voice and the characterization. And then at the very end, when he's like finally revealed, it's this giant, like creepy looking cockroach. really giant cockroach. I'm like, how the hell did that thing fit in there? It's which makes sense of why I felt like it was so tight, but yeah, a great end scene, you know, and they building up the humor in the movie of them as partners. Uh, you know, there's the whole scene of him getting his first weapon. It's the, the, the cricket, the it's the tiniest, the, you know, it's the tiniest little gun, but it has the biggest, you know, packs the biggest punch, but that, that whole end sequence of them fighting, uh, you know, by the towers where the, you know, they're thinking oh that looks like a great design no it's actually alien ships that you know have landed years ago and that yeah that cockroach is being huge it's a it's a great end sequence and it's just a fun overall like it was such a great blockbuster of like don't take itself serious it's goofy it's got great action the the chemistry between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith well and in the plot doesn't they there's so many obviously they could talk about so many different aliens but they just like they go through it and not have an explained detail like okay we know this it's like not overcomplicating we get what's going on and it's so easy to follow again as a kid uh, 7 years old i was like oh man this this is this thing is awesome but uh, and think about just the setting itself, New York City, another great love letter. So like, you know, where would people not like think twice about people, you know, acting weird or something? New like that? York, New York City. You know, I mean, just as like you could be in L.A. or Vegas or something. But New York is just like it was a whole other character to it, too. And I do love there's that little scene when he starts to realize that there are aliens like he's just like on the street and he starts to notice a little more of the weird and the bizarre. Uh, and a lot of that was, yeah, it wasn't all just like straight out cgi some of those like little puppetry and things and so 
which I think you look back at the movies like Star Wars, where a lot of this started, uh, the visualization of aliens and droids and things. And, and the movie did well. The movie, which again came out July 2nd, 1997. You know, this is one of those uh, July 4th weekend movies. That was Will Smith. That was his, that was his kingdom. Bread and butter. Made over $588 million worldwide. Against a $90 million budget. That's nuts. So it made its money. And naturally, anything that makes money means we're going to get a sequel. And if you think about this, what was a cool concept in the first film is because of the way the men in black work in this, you are erased from, you know, your, your life is erased. You're, you become essentially, you know, you've never existed. And we find out a little bit of backstory of Kay that he did have a wife at one point. And, you know, we see these sweet moments, which, you know, again, for an actor like Tommy Lee Jones, where you really get that hard shell um, that he he misses that. So I like that the, the this movie ends with the first film with Tommy Lee Jones having to get the, the neuralizer so that he would forget, which then sets up a great plot point for the second film of a threat so big and one that connects back to Kay, they have to go back and get his memory back. Kind of the classic, again, buddy cop thing. Oh, i got to get out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Just when I get out, they pull me back I know. in. Put it back on. The last suit you wear, again. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, five years later. So it wasn't like, you know, nowadays where we have uh, automatic uh, sequels. So um, Men in Black 2 came out in 2002. And... I remember with this one, the thing that always I remember about it is there's the lady and there's Johnny Knoxville. That's all. That's the two things I always remember this film. And it didn't hit me until just last week when I was rewatching these films that the villain is Laura Flynn Boyle, who is Wayne's crazy girlfriend in Wayne's world. Stacy, yeah. Stacy, <laughs> who got him the gun rack. Um, I was like, what? I mean, this, this is one I hadn't seen in quite some time. I've, I've, I've watched the first one the most and then the third one, second most. So I didn't see this one in a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I remember I was like, oh, that's where I've seen. I mean, I'm sure I've seen her in other things before, but, um, her playing this new type of alien creature, um, Serlina, who is, a she's got all these, you know, like, um, She's like the Hydra in a way she can uh, she has all these like vines that come out of her and they continually can grow and take over things. So she's the new big threat in town. And she uh, has Johnny Knoxville (laughs) and one of his early, you know, post jackass kind of taking off one of his first acting roles um, as Scrat and Charlie, this humanoid alien who has um, a second head that has like a little tentacle that comes out, you know, and and talks to him like this. And he's like, yeah, I got it. You know, kind of a funny, goofy. Um, and some of that is where the CGI doesn't always uh, play off. But um, what do you think about the sequel? I mean, I remember I remember definitely seeing it in theaters, but rewatching it just the other week, it's it's not very memorable. Um, there's some great humor in it at times, but it just feels like a huge drop from the quality. I agree. It's a, it like the problem was this is what a lot of sequels suffer with is that they are trying to duplicate the jokes by duplicating and then saying hey look at the joke we did remember we did in the last movie we're doing it again but i'm gonna point it out to you 
So you know, you realize so the hit it over the head, like just some of that stuff, like, okay, we got Jeeves back, let's blow his head up, you know, or like just repeating and, and rehashing some of the lines, um, you know, and the fact that like Tommy Lee Jones character, once he gets back to K, the one we know before, not just Kevin, <laughs> Postmaster Kevin. He is, yeah. Um he's like, Oh, Kevin, yeah, you don't look like a Kevin. I just I do love the scenes when it's just when ladies and gentlemen please if you're going to be packaging please use the common yeah it's just that's that's almost, a hilarious moment i yeah. almost wish like throughout the film he never got his memory back i thought that would have been kind of like interesting maybe till the very end so but then they were kind of doing this weird like thing where you know they're trying to develop this romance with jay's character which i didn't really like we didn't need and it was weird like they're making like k out to be like that was his daughter they were kind of so there was like there's too many weird illusions till the very end and it just like it didn't have the same, you know, like, yeah. And again, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I saw it in theaters too. And I was so pumped about this because like, I love the first one. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. But yeah, again, it's not like one that I wanted to jump back. And I, I, if I like, if that was on, I'd probably skip it. You know, it's not, again, it just, there was a lot of, again, great effects and some, some good jokes, but then someone was like, okay, it's kind of stupid. Like the Balchinian, like, come on. <laughs> What is like that was like okay all right really we and it feels see. like it feels like they because we're now moved forward in you know more CGI uh, heavy films that all they wanted to do was CGI especially the fact that you know the the main villain's character she can continually grow these vines and these little you know snake heads and things so it's just like so much of it was like over the top needed CGI. And it took a little way from that originality with puppetry and, you know, creation of these, these different types of aliens and characters. And yeah, it's just not, it was like, it just didn't feel like it, uh, like it just, it took a, a little dive in the quality and having like, I did think it was a funny bit, the idea of Jeeves having this denuralizer that is like a complete piece of junk um and you know i love that they they do the whole situation and then like the whole city blacks out for like a second and you know tom lee jones is he's back with his memory it did feel like it was too early uh in the film but also i don't think the film i'm trying to remember right the film um isn't like really long either i mean none of these films are long they're all at a good length for like again like a summer blockbuster but it's only 88 minutes, Men in Black 2. So this is like shorter than some Pixar Disney movies. Um, and as we discussed with you know other franchises, when, when movies like Fantastic Four, if the movie's only 90 minutes or less, you're you're kind of rushing through a lot to get to, you know. It would have been like, better served to maybe be it longer, and then some of these little plot lines would have paid off maybe. Would have made a little bit better. And in the in the end, uh Although it's not the worst reviewed Men in Black film, uh, it had a budget of 140 million and only made 441 million at the box office worldwide. So took quite a dip from the first one. Um, at least it still did make money. I definitely think the the franchise had enough to you know keep people interested. But this then would be kind of the stopping point for a, quite a while for the men in black franchise and with that taylor let's let's take a quick break let's go um meet the worm guys for a cup of coffee i think they're looking for us and uh, we'll be right back to talk more about men in black hey chris do you ever feel you want to 
change your lifestyle? Not really. I'm fine with my current wardrobe, thanks, though. I'm not talking about changing your brand names or joining a cult. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. <sighs> What's that? Change our hairstyles, help animals out, and say, Alrighty then. No, not Ace Ventura. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. It stands for Accountability, Consistency, and Enjoyment. It is the best way to feel better, think better, and enjoy your life. If you want to better your health goals, then this is the way. Okay, Mando. What is this, some sort of new fad diet? No way. Not at all. No quick fixes, no tricks, and it's made for whatever you want to get out of the program. Just like the title says, it's a lifestyle. It's your chance to take charge of your health. Interesting. Please go on. It is designed for whatever you want. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to gain more muscle? Or do you just want to feel better, mentally and physically? That is what Ace Lifestyle is all about. Well, that seems like a lot to take on myself. You are not alone. When you sign up for this program, you get dedicated professionals who are just as passionate to help you reach your goals. And you're not alone because you're joined by a group of other like-minded individuals who have their own health goals in mind every month. How would one find out more? You can find out more and get started by reaching out through their Instagram at the Ace Lifestyle Co. That's at the Ace Lifestyle Co. Wow. You seem to know a lot about this, Taylor. Well, Chris, I'm not just an expert of Ace Lifestyle. I'm also a member. You certainly look slimmer and more annoyingly energetic than usual. Well, thank you, Chris. It's all thanks to Ace Lifestyle. It's now time for you to take back your health. So go for it and change your life for the better. The Men in Black franchise embraced the amazing chemistry between actors Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. But they weren't the only actors considered for the roles of Agents K and J. Here are the never-before-seen audition tapes. Enjoy. Eugene Levy reading for the role of K. Uh, in the 1950s, mid-1950s to be exact, uh, the government started an underfunded agency with the simple and laughable purpose of establishing contact with a race not on this planet. Everyone thought the agency was a joke. Funny story, though. Except the aliens who made contact March 1961, just outside New York. Wow. Aliens. Hey, big fella. Neat stuff. Neato. Pee-wee Herman, reading for Jay. Then I saw little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books? <laughs> She's about to start some shit, said. <laughs> quantum. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey for K. Now imagine uh, a giant cockroach. Was a unlimited strength and a massive, a massive inferiority complex and a real short temper. It's just tear assing around Manhattan Island in a brand new egg suit. Does that sound like fun to you? <laughs> well, I don't know about fun, but it certainly sounds like an excellent mind. All right, all right, all right. Nick Cage reading for K. There's always an Archelian battle cruiser or a Karelian death ray or. 
an intergalactic plague that is about to wipe out all life on this miserable little planet. And the only way these people can get on with their happy lives is that they do not know about it. Ha! Huh, nailed it. I'm gonna steal this movie. Seth Rogen reading for Jay. Uh, 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 all right, you know what? I'm in. Because there's some next level shit that's going on, and I'm okay with that. But before y'all go beaming me up, and there's one thing you gotta remember, okay? You chose me, so you recognize the skills, you know? So I don't want nobody call me, you know, son or kid or sport or, or nothing like that. Cool? You, you alright with that? <laughs> you know, has Will Smith read for this? Because I am way underqualified, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, if. You need more Jewish people? I'm great. You know, just don't be calling me Jufro. <laughs> Christoph Waltz for K. We are the best kept secret in the galaxy. We monitor, license, and police all alien activity on Earth. We are first, last, and only line of defense. We live in secret. We exist in shadow. Well, I must say, this is incredible dialogue, and I do know how to work a suit. Christopher Walken, reading for K. Fifteen hundred years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. Five hundred years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And fifteen minutes ago, you knew that humans were alone on this planet. Imagine... But you'll know tomorrow, you might know 2 plus 2 equals 5. It's impossible, but is it? Sean Connery reading for Jay. You know what the difference is between you and me? I make this look good. Well, of course I make this look good. I'm born, dammit. This is essentially 007 with aliens. I like the sunglasses part, though, with that mind device. What's that called again? Gotta get me one of those. And we're back. Well, uh, that was a quite interesting. I did not realize that they had so many people up for these roles. Oh my gosh. Could have been a very different film. Uh, the, the pairing, you know, had it been different. And I think the comedy would have been a little different. Yeah, as I well. don't know, different good or different bad. But anyway, well, Chris is going to be back uh, continuing this discussion again, talking about the first two films. And as you said, after that... It was a very, it would be a little while uh, until we would. Uh, a decade. Yeah, a decade. Uh, which, again, nowadays, we have been used to a lot of films and different franchises, both for movies and TV shows. We've been used to seeing resurgence of a random sequel or a prequel or, you know, a whole relaunch of a show. So it's not uh, super far-fetched, but, you know, when you have a first movie, then it takes five years to make the second one to think 10 years to get um, Men in Black 3. So this was exciting, and I think definitely because the second one didn't do as well as the first, there probably was a little bit more of a um, stress to deliver. But now that we're 10 years later, that also means we're 10 years later with uh, cameras and CGI. And Men in Black 3, I remember going to see this movie, um, and... It is a lot of fun. It is a, a great film, and it's definitely a return to formula for the franchise of a smart plot. 
And this would be a fun way to introduce a new actor into the franchise to play a familiar face, but of a different time. So I love the time travel element of Men in Black 3, of Jay having to go back in time because we have the great Jermaine Clement here as Boris the Animal and realizing that he has to go back in time to save Kay from not dying in his current time and getting Josh Brolin to play a young Tommy Lee Jones to play young Kay. I mean, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant casting choice. Uh, you know, Josh Brolin has been a fantastic actor and has done so many different types of movies as well and has worked with Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, we have the great No Country for Old Men. And I just love this movie. I think it was a great way to use CGI properly, but still they did have a great amount of puppetry and tricks up their sleeve and the humor was back and having a whole different time era for Jay to be in while a men in black and see what men in black looked like in the sixties. That was, I think a great choice overall. Yeah. And I, I, to also kind of fun fact about this film, um, this was the most expensive film uh, one, of, one of the most expensive films ever made, but one of the most expensive comedy films made as of this year, well, um, wow. which is crazy to think. But it did, it did make its money, and I think you know, to to the the reviews to being so much more positive than the predecessor, it, it makes sense. And I think a lot of it, obviously, when you do a sequel, you got to mix it up. We look at a lot of these films where you do a whole, you just change it up. You got to change a lot of different things. And I think the fact that you know. The crazy thing about this film is Timely Jones in it, but there's not a lot of back and forth in this film. He's just in it very briefly in the beginning. Very briefly. And at the very end. Mm-hmm. And a lot of credit goes to this film is, of course, Josh Brolin. And what a great performance of him doing, not a parody, but a really great uh, young Tommy Jones. You think about movies today where they would do younger person, they would probably do the CGI and do that to actually... Yeah, de-age. Yeah, de-aging. And I think... I'm glad that this is one of those rare films that they cast a younger actor. Well, yeah, younger version of that person as, you know, someone who can really have has the chops. And again, this is, you know, years before with, with Brolin, a lot of the films that he, you know, think about what he's been doing, you know, since with um, Cable and Deadpool and Thanos. Uh, this is just such a great... Oh, my God. I just... I think I still think about when I saw this film how I was just mesmerized by Brolin's performance as like a young young k it was just it was just great so so much fun and back to the the humor that wasn't the stupid you know slapsticky humor it was just really good repartee between them and because also they don't you know they think that this <laughs> agent j might be crazy um because they you know don't believe that he really is from the future and there's, there was a lot of that having to go with the flow and i also you know having the um <laughs> the guy that helps him um to go back in time uh Michael Chemis, who plays uh, Jeffrey Price, um, when he's like, uh, you're going to go back in time. Uh, you know, he's like, uh, but um, it's not really a great time for your people. <laughs> and like having them play up the fact that it's like what, you know, this well-dressed black man, he steals a car, cops pull him over. You know, there's a lot of that element, too, which I think that was a, a, a fun way to showcase some of, you know, how obviously times have changed, but also. Again, things for Will Smith to get to show his acting chops of now he's the seasoned vet on this mission in a whole new time and having to, um, you know, really play 
play everything really close to the chest because, you know, one wrong move, he could be stuck in that time as well. And I think Jermaine Clement, who really is known as a very funny actor, he's been, you know, of course, Fly of the Concords and um, uh, plenty of comedy stuff. This was a really unique role for him to take. Um, I think this brought back a, a threat to the villain because he has, not only is he very strong and um, intense, he has that little creature thing where he can shoot spikes and one spike, you're dead. Like, that's the thing is people get spiked. And it's very creepy, very reminiscent of like the thing, you know, John Carpenter kind of yes. like. Yes, and having these like weird teeth and, you know, the fact that his face can pull apart and, so I think that was a, a smart choice of having a threat that actually is scary. And of course, you then see the older Boris then running into his younger self from the 60s and like how they talk. And, and you have some great cameo actors in here. You know, Emma Thompson introduced as Agent O and uh, Bill Hader in here for a small scene as, as Andy Warhol. But Andy Warhol was the men in black undercover. And he's like, I can't do it anymore. I can't take I'm taking photos of soup cans. Like, I mean, that that <laughs> there's some great humor in here of, again, the era where, where this film really uh, turned for me was how they incorporated the ending to make sense for the whole franchise in that Boris the animal is actually the one who killed Jay's father. And so at at the, you know, the final scene there and that. A Agent K, who then kills Boris Yannibal, you know, in, in one setting, he, he chose not to. And that's why he went to prison and why this, this whole thing happens. In this moment, he decides to actually kill Boris Yannibal. And then he takes a young Jay, you know, young James. And Will Smith is seeing this from like the weeds, like, you know, he's up like on a hill. And he's seen that this man that he's not destined to meet, that he can, you know, he's never met him, that he thinks years later when he becomes a cop that it was all it was all set up that way like yeah. i think well, that was he, neural, a really, he neuralizes him so he does he, he neuralizes him so he can't remember ah it's just like that was a great way like if you look at just men in black as a trilogy even though the third one took a while to make it was a great way to end that movie because you were like oh you know you think that the first movie why this guy of all of all the kids out there you know and again how he proves himself to be a little bit of uh He's not the, he may not be the best of the best, of the best in terms of what some people think, but he's the best because of the way he handles situations of his street smarts and all that stuff, how it all was kind of set up in this third film, the way it finishes that, like, that's why he picks Jay, you know, 20 years later when he becomes a cop. And it adds so much heart. Like there's a lot of warmth in this film, not like in a sappy way, but like, I got a little emotional at that ending. Cause it was like, you know, this, I was thinking, you know, maybe this is the end of the series and you really just they had this, they had this bond, you know, this like, cause he was kind of like a father figure to him. Tommy Lee Jones character, you realize throughout this film. So I did like that. And it wasn't, it didn't feel like it didn't feel forced. Didn't feel like, Oh, that's kind of stupid how they shoehorned an ending. I actually really liked it. And it, it was kind of very plausible. It was like, it was very simple and like, okay, this kind of makes sense. And it didn't really have to retroactive change anything throughout the series, which I, which I really liked. Well, the movie did the best of the franchise. Although it did cost quite a lot, two hundred fifteen million yeah, on a, a budget there, <laughs> it made just under uh, six hundred twenty-five million worldwide. So it was the best of the franchise in terms of, the best of the best. Uh, box office, the best of the best of the best, um, and it's the second best reviewed of the four. 
So that was when uh, Men in Black ended, so we thought. And then seven years later, we would get uh, a new take at Men in Black with a whole new cast, minus um, uh, Emma Thompson returning as Agent O. But we'd have a, uh, a new cast and a new take. And this is one of those times where you go, okay, if you've had a movie franchise for a long time and you've had two you know, main stars, Will Smith and Tom Lee Jones, and they're not involved in this new movie, it's not probably going to be a good movie. I did not see this film in theaters. I attempted to watch it last week. I did not make it through an hour. I did not make it through an hour. I, I barely wanted to make it through 40 minutes. Well, you you uh, lucked out because I paid to see this in theaters, so I, uh, okay. I put my investment in, and uh, <laughs> I fell asleep um, part of the movie. because Well, I did see it like at 10 o'clock at night, so that's not a good thing. But, that, that, yeah. um, but, you know, I try to go in with a very, as you did, I'm sure, to go in with a very open mind. I'm like, it's. I think any kind of series where you continue a franchise and bring back new characters into it and not the ones that started at all... It's very tricky ground where I think some series have done it very well in terms of, you know, one off the bat, it's maybe kind of an offbeat one. I think with the Mad Max, you know, series where Mel Gibson was the main and then having recently with Tom Hardy, Fury Road, that was very well done. And it wasn't like, but this one, I think, okay, they, this is one of those situations where there's always not lightning in a bottle. When you've got two very fine performers uh you've got chris hemsworth tessa thompson who thor ragnarok you know we we knew that they had some really good fun chemistry and well you can take some performers do really well but then this is also an example where bigger is not necessarily better yes (laughs) and i i think there was an intrigue to think the first three movies really are new york based and then a little bit of Florida with the rockets and all that. There's not a huge, vast variety of outside of New York for the three films. And so I think there was a little bit of intrigue for me to think of, oh, what would Men in Black look like? Like, what's the British, you know, office look like? What's the, you know, like that was a concept that I was kind of into, you know, into and being like, oh, what could that be like? But there's nothing that really set up in the first chunk of the movie that really keeps you you know, wanting to watch more. And it does feel like they just wanted to throw in big weapons, action sequences. Um, and clearly the the movie is setting up, a, you know, a double agent or, you know, someone in disguise. And even though I haven't seen the whole movie, I can already guess who it is. And I, you know, it's like, it's not like it's a hard thing to know who eventually is going to be the bad guy. And it's it's sad because I think, yeah, you, you have the chemistry of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson of the films, but it just didn't quite work in this movie. So not much more to say on that, really, uh, is the worst reviewed of the four. And in terms of box office, it was only 110 million. So it wasn't that expensive, um, but it only made 253 million at the box office worldwide. So it uh, definitely... Um, didn't I mean it made some money, but it definitely was of the four, uh, not the best. And it, that it kind of leaves me thinking: Is this now the point where Men in Black as a film franchise is done? You know, Tommy Lee Jones, he is still acting in things, but he's getting up there. And although Will Smith can still do action movies, it feels like those characters' story 
ended so well with three, how they kind of captured that, that I feel like Men in Black was to continue now, maybe a limited TV series or like, you know, a, a new TV show could be developed where we follow some new characters. And maybe if they kind of keep, you know, return to the formula of a little bit of the bizarre, a little bit of the eerie, a little bit of the action, a little bit of the comedy. And then off the humor. You know, maybe we could have Men in Black come back, but it's just sad when you, you know, the last movie did definitely kind of, you know, put a, a, a dunt, a, you know, bump into that. So to push. did you, um, I'm sure I did watch it when it uh, originally came out, but do you remember watching the, uh, the cartoon show? Men in Black? Yeah, I think, series? um, cause yeah. I remember, I remember when WB was, was the thing. Um, I do remember that was like, I would watch an episode or two, um, I thought it was interesting because with that one, like a lot of these animated series, they kind of like, oh, it's going to follow the show, but it kind of like completely forget where it was kind of the continuing adventures of after the first one. And like Jay never had, uh, sorry, Kane never had his memory erased apparently. So, but I do like, like there was some, there were some instances where um, they, you know, some of the plots were actually, it was kind of cool. There was one plot where, uh, they do go back in time. And this is before uh, the third one uh, came out, but I, I do remember it. But it wasn't like something that oh my god, this is um, I, oh this is like the coolest show ever. But I do remember um, getting into some of like the video games more for like the Game Boy and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't have like any fond memories of the series. What about you? Uh, not that I can remember. I'm sure I, I watched some because that was still in the era. I would watch uh, cartoons, but and I don't remember playing any of the, the video games either. The 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 only thing I can really think of and i've only really been on it once um was at universal studios florida there is the men in black alien attack ride oh, yeah. which um is kind of set up to be based off the uh the test you do as jay when he goes through in a uh you know they have the, like the aliens pop out and stuff it's kind of be it's kind of set up to be based on that like you're going through a whole different bunch of sets and you have guns and it's a shooting game where you out you actually rack up a score and that that ride, first off, it's cool because it actually has a, a pretty cool building for it, the Men in Black like headquarters. And going in, and actually, you are seeing like you know aliens walking around, and like it has a very like, cool vibe to it. And then actually having these these cool you know Men in Black weapons, and a lot of the aliens are these animatronics that pop out, and you have to shoot them in the head and stuff. So I think it's a fun uh, ride that was developed surprising it's the only really one of its kind there's not been like other not you know other universal theme parks haven't uh, copied it but i mean if there's, if there's something to think about with the men in black that still i think is the most remembered apart from the films himself is the song by will smith and what is the what is more men 90s than yeah. men in black here come the men in black <laughs> galaxy defenders yeah Boom. i mean and this is, you know, you look at Will Smith, a lot of his movies, uh, he would do, you know, songs for, um, you know, being he would write raps and different things for movies, but also he was doing his own music. And, you know, Wild Wild West, another movie that uh, was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld as well. Um, not the best uh, film, but uh, a kick-ass song, Wild Wild West. So uh, here come the Men in Black. Yeah, it's a it's a great song that Will Smith did for an eight. I think, you know, Tommy Lee Jones will always be definitely a part of this franchise and he's so iconic in that character. But I think if I look at the list of like great Will Smith 
roles, um, Jay is always one I'm going to think of in terms of like, if I had to think of like, oh, what's like top five roles that Will Smith played, uh, Men in Black's definitely up there for me. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I just, just something about it, like it had, it had just everything that makes Will Smith, Will Smith. It's got the humor, you know, his, his action. And of course he gets to sing, you know, everything of his career. It just, it just, it's just so iconic. And, uh, you know, he does play that very good everyman kind of guy that we're following around, like in his, how he approaches stuff. It's like, it's just perfect. But, uh, yeah, just such a huge part of our childhood in, in the '90s. But you know, think about—I always think of <laughs> going to the uh, roller, roller, um, roller skating. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, like a roller derby, yeah, like yeah, the, the roller derby, hearing... and hear that song come on. You know, like and I'm like, oh yeah, like let's skate to this song. And I just remember learning the, remember learning the dance. Woo! Yeah, no, woo! <laughs> um, and of course, the second one would come out with "Nod Your Head," uh, Nod your which head, wasn't yeah. as good, and I don't really remember the words then. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, just something about that. Uh, uh, yeah, those like those roles are pretty synonymous with those two actors and that whole series. Yeah, they're the look of the franchise, and it'll always be that way. And the only thing I think of that would be that could maybe be a cool concept down the line would be um, taking the idea of a government agency that uh, deals with aliens, but like a very serious, like almost uh, thriller. A TV show, you know, but, like I mean, maybe even taking Men in Black a little bit, like more edgy, a little darker, a little maybe edgier, take, yeah. Ma- taking out the more the comedic elements. I mean, of course, you can have some fun, but making it a little bit like and going for the you know the body horror of like oh maybe they're more like Men in Black crime scene investigators where they're kind of looking yeah like a little uh Men in Black X Files kind of combo could be a uh, could like, be an interesting cr- Criminal Minds where it's like yeah who's this, uh, it's like a Krylithian you know he just uh, he flays the bodies you know it's yeah. like you never know that 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 could be a cool show so I mean, hey we'll write it uh- <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um, thanks for listening today to our Men in Black chat uh, this is the last podcast you'll ever hear so turn your headphones over here and uh, Taylor's gonna say something too and um, thanks. Yeah, and if you'll look at uh, this button right here and hear this. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.